0: I wonder where a guy, an everyday Joe like myself, can find a little action. <sighs> Do I make you horny? We love you long time. me so horny. What is your major malfunction, nutnut? Give me some sugar, baby. Hey, I'm Casey Joe's. You're listening to the Metal
1: Hand of God podcast. And if you're not listening to it, then what the hell are you doing? Listen to it. Listen to it
0: right now. Yeah, baby! <laughs> yeah. Don't worry if you don't speak it out.
1: Welcome back to the Metal Hand of God podcast. I am your host, Wayne, and with me tonight is the amazing, dangerous Dustin as my co host. Hey! There you go. And we have an incredible guest today, actor, uh, podcaster, and God knows what else, Mr. Keith (laughs) Coogan. What's up, buddy?
0: (laughs) Right! (laughs) <laughs> thank you for having me on appreciate it uh what's up what as they say in the 90s right what? yeah what's, <sighs> what's up, man
1: Nah, not much man uh, we appreciate you coming on the show and uh spending a little time with us man um so look like uh, like i said we, we we're gonna break out into this right away like i want to know about okay. that stuff um so everybody knows that you've been in you know, adventures and babysitting, and and you know, Mama's dead. I mean, no, the babysitter's dead. Don't tell Mama. Um, but I want to know. <laughs> I want to know more about. I want to know more about the podcast, man. You know. Be a- oh,
0: I did a radio show for uh, a year. I did uh, fifty hours, and it wasn't terrestrial radio. It was on um, you know apps and things, um, yeah. and it was for Skid Row Studios, and it was the call sheet. So it was tech. Politics, Hollywood, that kind of stuff. Oh, that's um, cool. And it was, and I went through, you know, I have three, four co-hosts. um <laughs> Just you know, week after weeks, after like seven, eight weeks in a row, I'd have a friend that's a comic go, I, I can't do this anymore. I searched <laughs> every week, and I'm, yeah, every week. I think I went one night in the entire year with no guest and no co-host, so I was alone. And finally, my engineer, uh, Mindy, she goes, you know, I'm here. You can talk to me. And I'm like, oh, God, thank God. I couldn't do. I don't know how Rush did it. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I don't know how, neither do I. Well, Howard didn't do it. Howard had Robin. He had Jackie. You know, Howard always had a zoo to bounce off of. Right. So very admirable. Anyone who can pull a Ben Shapiro and sit there and talk for three hours straight in that time block he has is freaking amazing, really. I agree. Cause, cause it's I just I, as entertaining I sure as the Martin hell can't. Downey Jr. was, trust me. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Look, and I sure the hell can't do it. I mean, look, I I, I was hunting for a, a co-host today because, uh, the last minute my my co-host got sick, so he couldn't come on. So I was kind of like, well, fuck, I gotta get with somebody. So, Dustin, who who's actually a friend of the shows, and uh, he actually does food reviews online. Like he eats all the hot stuff and crazy shit like that. He, he said he would come on and hang <laughs> out with us and do the show. So I was like, yes. Great.
0: Well <laughs> right, so I, I can't eat hot foods um, I eat ketchup and I sweat <laughs> um, and so I would like walk onto hot ones and I'd go hi here's my picture put it on the wall I'm not even going to try the first wing nice <laughs> to meet you go watch your babysitter movie thank you very much <laughs> Good to see you. Um, can't even even tolerate uh, you know really but yet I will order Kung Pao chicken and here in LA orange chicken is burn your face off. Really? Um, yeah. Don't. Wow. Yeah. Don't make the mistake and order an orange chicken and expect it to be, not burn your face off. How you bad? have to ask for mild. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I just haven't been. Yeah. Never. I think it was my stomach. I had uh, bleeding ulcers at twelve. Ooh. From having to, you know, pay a mortgage and and a natural gas bill and <laughs> a phone bill and and oh my god, is the car insurance paid? I'm like, why yeah. I should worry about. You know who I'm asking to the dance, not um, you know paying these bills. So I had like, like, why is he throwing up blood? Oh, maybe it's stress and anxiety. Um,
1: I know, I know the feeling of the uh, the whole like (laughs) not growing up too fast kind of thing. Uh, My my father passed away when I was like you know eighteen, nineteen, and I like all my friends were out partying and doing all this crap, and I'm going. I got to go to work and pay bills or I don't have a place to live. Me and my mom are kind of struggling here. You know, it's like, so I get it. The stress from, you know, not just, not young as 12, but I was pretty stressed out at that age.
0: Yeah, that's, um. you know, I'm sorry, man. No one wants to have arrested development for those reasons. Oh, yeah. And to have to grow up because of a loss like that. That's terrible. My grandfather died, transferred everything to my mom, who was a young mom. She was 16 when I was born. Wow. And that just changed the whole dynamic. And she, you know, it rattled her and changed. That shook the household. I'm like, oh God, you know, this is really crazy. So, you know, that's, yeah, it's tough. Um, yeah. I'd like there to, I'd love everyone to talk about it just as healthily and open as we are now. It's still, it's tough for people to talk about It's a private thing. It is. You know, loss is. is loss. And how we do that. And then also what you lost, you know, you lost that bit when you were that age of yeah. doing the regular things. But, I'm sure you did as much as you can. You just had a little more insight into the double-edged sword—the freedoms and the responsibilities that come with growing up.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. You you just kind of get the uh, you you get more of a maturity level at that that it, point. It
0: literally turns into an '80s movie yeah. where the bullies <laughs> bullying on you, and you're like wise beyond your years. You're like. None of this matters, man. It's cool. You do your thing. Yeah. And he's like embarrassed in front of everybody because you've got that kind of knowledge that none of that shit does matter. When you're right. That age. Right. You kind of like, oh yeah, you can
1: yell at me, dude. I don't care. You can call me whatever you want. That's fine. When you're pumping my gas later, I understand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I literally had my bully pump my gas later, and
1: oh, that's I, great, dude. Yeah. That's that's that's, that's <laughs> such a good thing when when a bully is actually, you know. I don't know. Gets his gets yeah, his one. You know? He was
0: probably making like thirteen and a quarter an hour. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He's probably doing better than I had. That's funny. um, yeah, no, I definitely I'll never forget the name. He had like one of those bad guy names from high school movies too. Oh, like a
1: like a anybody. Chad or a or a, or a Taylor. Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, well it would have to be oh, you know, like like the iconic Johnny. I mean that's a bad one. Everybody hates the hey. Johnny.
0: Oh, right, right. Yeah.
1: Gosh, man. Uh, man, you know, um, you just brought up your grandfather, man. And, you know, I didn't, I had no idea. I knew your grandfather was a famous man, but I just, I didn't know that he was Uncle Fester.
0: Yeah.
1: That's so freaking and, cool, uh, bud. I had no idea.
0: Totally. And he had, you know, that and, um, you know, this past life of having been in the kid with Chaplin right? and, you know, made a lot of money and then lost it and then sued his parents and then the, the labor law named after him and then marrying and divorcing Betty Grable fighting in World War Two, <laughs> uh, lynching a kidnapper uh, in really? Santa Cruz. Uh, his roommate was kidnapped. And they found the two uh, white lynchers. They were just dumbasses that were trying to copy the Lindbergh baby had been kidnapped like six months before. Jeez. And so it was during the Depression, and crooks thought it was easy to kidnap a rich, you know, well, yeah. family's kid. So they kidnapped Hart. Um, it, there was a Hart department store. It's the first department store in California, uh, in Bay Area, in Santa Cruz. Family was really, really loaded, but local loaded. Yeah, they couldn't run down to the bank and get like, you know, a bunch of money out. But they were the basically the top family in, in that town. And so they kidnapped this kid. And it was my grandfather's roommate in college. Damn. And, um, they found crazy. his pillowcase, at the scene, and it was involved in a prank that he pulled with him. They used to my grandfather and him would pull pranks at school. Well, they wound up they had already killed the kid oh. before they made the demand for ransom. So they caught him. They were bumbling idiots and uh, they confessed. They stuck him in a little jail in Santa Cruz. Um, and then the governor and the newspaper said, come on down to the park this weekend. We're going to take justice into our own hands. Wow. And 10,000 people showed up. Um, all of the chief of the sheriff, everyone was oddly out of town that day. And they left the jail in two young new deputies' hands that were immediately overwhelmed. There's a construction site next to it, the crowd picked up materials from the construction site, made a battering ram, entered the jail facility, grabbed the two guys, took them out to the park, and hung them. Wow. And uh, there's all these stories about my grandfather is involved. Some say he was holding the rope. So this is all like. Pre, this is you know then fights in the war then does you know plays heavies and bad guys and stuff and then gets the call for the adams family um and he was amazing. a year younger than i am when he played uncle fester he was 50 wow when he started in 64 he was 50 so i'm actually a year older than my grandfather was when he,
1: when he played uncle fester that's Spencer. crazy yeah. man and
0: then i was on the set for the halloween um reunion they did a bad 70s um, <laughs> halloween special for adams family that was shot on video and in color oh. and it was um awful but uh, i was actually on that set which was really cool that is fucking and then, cool, still man. to this day friends with felix silla and uh... wow
1: yeah man that's super yeah. super super cool like when i was reading it i was like wow you know uh, cuz it, it kept bringing up, like, when I was reading certain things, this was early in, in the week, you know, and I was reading stuff. I was like, um, and it kept bringing up your grandfather. So I was like, okay, well, let me check out some stuff on him. And I was just blown away by all the things that he did. <clears throat> and, like, you know, when, especially when he, when it said he was in the kid, and I was like, wow, man, that's so amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a stroke of, you know, luck and circumstance yeah. and, uh, Chaplin was looking for a young child performer that could do something that he just didn't know if he could find him and went to go see my great grandfather in a vaudeville show in LA and uh, my great grandmother and great grandfather uh, were in a vaudeville show. And, um, at the end of the show, they bring out the kid, my grandfather and he's four and, uh, (laughs) Usually vaudeville will do, um, if the kid can sing or dance, Right, they do it or do a speech. Um, if they can't, then they just carry an American flag while you play Yankee Doodle Dandy, some crap like that.
1: That's, and, um, that's always good too.
0: In, in LA at the time, um, the shimmy was deemed, um, offensive, uh, in nightclubs in LA because there was a lot of like speakeasy style, you know, mafia run, um, like slapsy maxis there's a lot of these kind of places that were on the seedy edge of things and they didn't want the show. To go. So they banned a particular dance in LA, <laughs> the shimmy. So my grandfather got out and does the shimmy Ooh, at four for shame. And he's shaking his shoulders and everything and And the crowd just goes nuts. And Chaplin is like, that's, that could be the kid. Let me talk to him and talk to the parents and see if I can work with him. And he played with him a little bit and tried out some things. And, um, he said in his book in Chaplin's biography, he says uh, that Jackie could uh, mimic it and do it over and over again and make it look like the first time. He's like, that's what you need when you're shooting a movie. Right. And, um, and they just started production. And then midway, he's late on his mutual contract and they go, yo, you owe us a two-reeler. It's been a couple of months now and like you're behind. And Chaplin goes, well, I'm doing a feature. And they, they, go, they go, what's that? And he's like, well, it's going to be like an hour long, like six reels instead of two. And they go, well, you know, we're only paying you for two (laughs) and you're late. So he did two things. One, he grabbed my grandfather and another kid and ran off to Port of L.A. and he shot um, and right near his studio and he shot A Day's Pleasure, which is a a little two-reeler comedy. Terrible. (laughs) But um, was shot in the middle of shooting the kid to satisfy the contract. And he goes, all right, now I've done my two-reeler that I said I'd do. And he's like, you don't get the kid. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, you know, you said you only pay so much. And this is six reels. So I'm going to have to just go get the money from the distributors themselves. And they're like, you don't do that. And he goes, watch me. He invited all the theater chains out to um, the chaplain studios. And he had my grandfather dance in front of them and stuff. And um, that's on the behind the scenes. There's a nice version of the kid that's got all this behind the scenes footage. Oh, and stuff. cool. And everyone fell in love. And they're like, here, whatever you need. You know Charlie, and uh, we'll totally, you know, spend the money on this, and uh, it looks like a hit. And um, Chaplin goes back to the original company. he's like, sorry, movie's been sold. You don't even get the rights to it. I think you work something out. They might have had part of at least U.S. distribution. It was a worldwide hit, and back then are really easy to translate into any language. Yeah, because you just take the title cards and put it in the local <laughs> language. Right, you right. Cut it right into the movie, and because of that, it could reach everybody universally. And it was the end of World War 1. Um people were looking for an orphan to adopt and my grandfather was it. And so he became a worldwide star. That's so cool. At 5, um That's so crazy. And then uh, uh him and Chaplin parted ways. Chaplin gave him the hat and the sweater. The um little the sweater that Jackie wears in the kid yeah. is Charlie's college sweater that had shrunk cuz he'd washed it. What? So we cut the bottom of it off and put it on Jackie and rolled up the sleeves and that. So yeah, the kid's sweater is Charlie's old college sweater.
1: Damn, that's cool. <laughs> I would I would have never known that, man. That's freaking awesome. So now that we got that out of the way, we know you do a lot of stuff. On you've done a lot of television work. You've done things like you've done a lot of stuff like uh, on on like uh, you did what Night Rider. You've done. Um, yes. I mean, that dude, when you said, you, when I read that you did Night Rider, I was like, I was jealous, hands down. Like, like, <laughs> I love that fucking show, man. I was like, Night Rider, dude, come on. Um, but you did a lot of television. Uh, Dustin was talking to me about you were doing, you did, uh, was it Tales from the Crypt? You said, right? Dustin?
0: Yeah. Yeah. House of Horrors. Um, uh, Meredith Salinger and kevin Dillon, and is it david de or peter I can't remember. Uh, one, I can't one remember of the brothers london brother maybe jason <laughs> um i always had trouble with twins i grew yeah. up with rachel and robin bush who were uh, the little uh, girl on little house yeah yeah and um and other twins and and jason and jeremy know this that i cannot tell them apart they're like dude it's so easy and i'm like Sorry, got a problem with twins. I don't know what it is. Nothing personal. Um, Who else is in that? Courtney Gaines? Will Wheaton? Yeah. Um, It was amazing. It was a stacked cast.
1: You you enjoyed yourself on that show?
0: Oh, hell yeah. And Bob Gale directed it, and he wrote 1941. And, you know, I mean, it just had a, um, you know, I was a real big fan of the other shows yeah. like uh friday the 13th the series or freddy's nightmares or tales from the dark side but the crypt um was super cool man i was man, like this is so cool it, we're it, ever doing a thing it's all us there's no adults in it right it all-
1: <laughs> if you had if you had a uh had a film like a horror film that you could be in like like there's a re- say there's like a big remake coming out or something and 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 yeah. you and you could be in it what would you, which one would you pick out of all, oh
0: man, I don't know. I I did uh, read for Shining. I read for Gremlins, wow. and uh, what was the other one? Um, oh, I came really close on Friday the Thirteenth uh, for a final chapter, but obviously Corey got that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just you know, and we all read for you know everybody's parts. I right. Read for Stand yeah. by me and E.T. and even stuff that is wholly inappropriate, like. Lloyd Dobler for say anything, like I don't see it <laughs> really. Um, I read for sixteen candles for Farmer Ted, what? and uh, you know, it's. Uh... And then I saw a couple of those guys read for you know Brad Anderson, and uh, um, he, uh, very lucky to get get uh, to get any parts definitely. Man. Uh, Booger said this Curtis Curtis um, Armstrong. Yeah. yeah, he said. um this is a story of like a young actor coming up and asking him, like, what does it take to get ahead in the business? And, or, or like, how do you, you know, make it in the business? And he goes, my flippant answer is always you don't, or you can't, or don't, or run away, or something like that. He goes, but then the real answer is luck. Yeah. And he says, there's two layers of luck. The first layer is you got a job. Right. You're in a, oh my God, I got a part. I'm in a movie. I got, I'm going to go shoot on location and shoot this thing. Oh my God, what luck? They pay you to make believe in a sandbox. How cool. The second layer of luck is it's a revenge of the nerds and people celebrate it and celebrate the anniversary and they have cast gatherings and there's a fan base 30, 35 years after a movie comes out. Yeah. He goes, that's a whole, that it's loved, that it's seen, that it does well. Many more movies don't do well than do well. Um, so that, you know, I do consider myself incredibly lucky for
1: I was going to uh, say you have two all those opportunities. you have two iconic roles for sure that people remember forever. I mean, you have the 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 one line that I guarantee you've probably said a billion times about b- having the dishes done, dude. And uh it, it's it's fantastic. I mean, it's 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 definitely <laughs> probably the most iconic line from that entire movie. You know? <laughs>
0: well, I'm right on top of that, Rose. Um, <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, that one too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But I mean, it—it's just—it was—it was—it was such a fun and great movie, and the the cast was great. And I and I remember watching it, you know, growing up, going, "Man, this is such a great movie." I've probably seen it 100, 150 times.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, thank you. I was, of course, an itty bitty part of that, um, and it was super fun to do. So I—I I mean, there was just so uh, much trust. Between everybody and the script, we just love the script. There's a funny word or a quotable line every other line. Every minute, there are five lines. You could start anywhere, and all of a sudden, you're like, Martini (laughs) and Rossi. Oh, how would you like it? Sweet or dry? What? Sweet (laughs) Sweet or dry? (laughs) How about a little bit of both? I mean, you just keep going. Hey, if that's what you're into and it can be arranged. If not, oh, I was just kidding. Um, I, uh, the naked shrimp is to die for, <laughs> they're going to burn our uniforms in effigy. There's so many great words and lines, um, time for little trollops to go home. It's oh. just a chip. Diamonds are forever. Take it back. <laughs> We're a family Man. of felons. That's so good. So dude. many great and to be able to say something like, I don't know, I should have been with him, not on the roof, but like reading Green Eggs and Ham or some shit like that. Right. I love some <laughs> shit like that. I love that it's a running gag. Or some, some shit, shit like that. that. Yeah. Some shit like that. It was great. Didn't have to improvise. It was all there in the script. Um, yeah.
1: Well, besides that those movies, man, uh I, I the movie I really want to talk to you about is uh, we were in the same movie actually. Uh, yes. Yes, we were. Uh, we were. We were in uh, Jay and Silent Bob's reboot, actually. Yes. <laughs> we were, man. Excellent. Yeah, we were. We were part of the Chronic Con uh, convention. We were uh, one of the booths that was there. We had the big M H uh, O G podcast logos and all kind of crap yes. up there. Yes. Yeah, man. Uh, I. Where did? Uh, were you actually in New Orleans filming, or were you somewhere else when they did your your stuff?
0: Nope. Uh flew out to uh new orleans oh, and, okay uh it was the
1: you were in the hotel and i could tell by i could tell by the, tell by the uh stayed
0: in the hotel oh no and shit <laughs> What's funny is we didn't know so i was supposed to get a pickup from transpo on the morning of yeah and i'm like okay and i don't know where the location is and it says it's some you know address i don't know new orleans at all i've been there but i don't know it so i get down and there's no driver and i'm like that's oh, right, I call transpo hey it's Keith I don't know if I'm going to go oh we thought you were in another hotel you were supposed to meet in another hotel lobby was where the pickup was and I'm like oh shit I'm like well where's the location and I'm like I'm walking out I go nothing's too far just start walking we'll start telling you where to go so I walk out and I go yeah I'm seeing this and this they go where are you staying and I'm like at this hotel and they go you're in the hotel with the convention center They're right just follow along <laughs> <laughs> they just kept walking down the street outside of the hotel <laughs> to get to the crew lot where all the trailers are yeah and, and they had all the security so you couldn't get to that area anyway like from inside the hotel it was really weird so once i was also you know had shot my scene which was like a bit in the morning it took like two hours yeah um then they moved on and shot um uh, Ralph Garman's and uh, comic book man mm. and, uh, Bader uh, Biggs was and, um, and 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 oh, Creek, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. Um, so I got to sit there and watch all of them. That's do so their good. Bit which was great.
1: Yeah, so we, we were we were. Uh, uh, my favorite part of that whole the whole shoot. I was just, I didn't know I was going to ask you know how you enjoyed the shoot because I you were there. For, I don't know how long you were there. We were there for almost like seventeen hours. for a day you know like it was it was like a day and a half two days we had to shoot but we were there because you know we were part of the big set area so we had to sit there all day long and um but was so you know i i can't say enough we've been in we've been in three well we've been in two films and we've had uh credits in uh, a tv show for i was at scream was the tv show we were some kind of thing in there but anyway um We were in two films, and but this one, like, I just we were treated so well. Like the you know, Kevin was such a nice guy. But you
0: were treated like extras are treated on any movie. But it was the way that they were like, hey, I know this guy's is rough. I know this is rough not having your phones. I know it's rough not being able to talk to anybody. I know it's rough being able to move around. I know it's rough not being able to share your costumes. I know it's rough that you can't talk to anybody about this stuff but thanks for doing it. Hang in there. We're going to, we got a special treat. Jay's going to come, someone's going to come and entertain you for a hot minute. You know, but they were just so great to everybody. I right. thought, and I yeah. heard it was rough and I heard people no. that couldn't do it. People that made it almost and a health issue. And then they couldn't. And, and I was really? like, Oh my God, it was like Mecca for them. And for so many people to, to do there and be that. And the creativity, they brought it and they made that sequence. It feels like a convention. Oh, yeah, it does. It It really, it really, it really does. There's one shot in the hall and you see a couple of breakout groups. There's like some dinosaur people, you know, like (laughs) Jay and Silent Bob, like literally like a a Tyrannosaurus Rex or something. I mean, there's so many things that I keep spotting every time I watch it. Um, Yeah. um, I've seen it probably half a dozen times now. I'm just like, I never saw that costume. And I saw every background walk in a line in front of us all, And I saw them do the picking for different scenes at different times. We've we seen you too many times, step aside. You, we need two of you. We need more girls, more girls. More. You, you, yeah. And then they go, all right, for now, we're just going to use this group of 20 or 30 and yeah. everyone else go chill. And it was interesting to see how who got where and who got into the um, the event at the end
1: right. with the
0: um, cock knockers coming out and the um, <laughs> or who were just in the conventional four <laughs> scenes. I didn't even see Adam Brody come and go. Right. When did they shoot his? They, sh- know, they uh, actually Adam, shot... Um,
1: they shot him. Yeah. The you talking about the the Hot Topic scene where he's screaming and yeah. yeah. Well, they shot him the day we were the first day we were there, because uh, we were oh. we we sat there we sat there and watched the whole thing and like like it, it was, was some of that dang – dude, merch. dude. It was <laughs> you should. have oh – God, I wish you could have seen like all the he's, stuff that he oh I he threw away right. like that wasn't in the film. Holy no, shit! So many people brought
0: so much um uh, from Dan for the ad. To the, you know, to, to like, ah, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> Going, we're close. There's so many great parts in there. You know, everybody brought their little bit. And, you know, what's great is if he couldn't use it, he put it in the, um, yeah,
1: oh, yeah, the bloopers.
0: Yeah. And he did it Hal Ashby style. So they're during the credits. They're not a special, they're not an added feature. They're in the movie, for Christ's yeah. sake. Um, so he and, was able to keep his runtime and, but keep these moments he loved that it's like, yeah, it would be, it would be one beat too many. The audience would groan there. Yeah. But if I do it later in the blooper reel out of context, you'll love it.
1: And then, um, uh, one of my favorites was when, uh, Dietrich Bader was doing his run around chasing them because uh, yeah. he was chasing them right past our booth. So we were sitting there watching it the whole, t- like, you know, we're just, <laughs> it, it was brilliant. And, and like we were, <sighs> We were definitely extras, but we were dealt with as a different style of extra. They were calling us artists, so we were actually part of the set. So we didn't get to, you know, the whole herd us this way, heard you guys that way, you know, like getting uh-huh. us out. So we got to sit on the set the entire day and not, you know, have to go anywhere. We got to do whatever we wanted. Really, it was such a nice. Yeah. And then, um, they were filming, um, uh, the uh, J. And um, uh, oh God, I can't remember uh, Harley's scene where they were they were sitting there in the on the convention floor oh, talking to each other. Really? That, that real heartfelt. they were sitting there right there filming that. And when, while they were filming that, uh Kevin was sitting in my chair uh, in my booth because he had to because a damn crane was coming out of my booth <laughs> to go in there to film. It was really cool, man. It was like a very cool um experience. and then, of course, after we all shot, and it was like four in the morning or five in the morning, everybody's been there all day. Those two guys went to every single one of us that was in the booths and sat there and took pictures with us with their with all of our merchandise that was up and like you know yeah. did stuff like that. It was very it was very nice
0: of them. They were very good guys. Hey, I kept checking in all day. Um, I went back down at one. In the morning, I went back down at three in the morning, and, and they were shooting the hallway shot, <laughs> yep. Scooby Doo doors, and and there was still work to be done. You know what I mean? I was, it was like, long. "Oh my god, that was tough, man." It was long days,
1: man, but it was it was fun. I really had a good time, man. It was it was uh me and my wife actually did it. It was fun. It was good stuff.
0: Oh yeah. So you probably got to see what I thought was one of the greatest moments for me to see with Kevin was him wear his costume say, cut, and they would pull his jacket off of him and his hat and wig off of him and put his other jacket, yes. his purple jacket on, <laughs> it, and then his hat on, and he'd go stand in front of the monitor to watch it yes. or direct somebody else's take, and then put it back on. He would change from his outfit to his another version of his outfit. Yes. And I, I thought, don't know if you saw it. You probably I, saw that a million times.
1: I did, it, and it was the funniest thing. I was like, what is he doing? Like, He could just leave that on. It's not like nobody knows who he is. <laughs> but yeah it was brilliant man it was it was great it was like i said it was it was one of the better movie experiences i had was, was yeah. with with him it was
0: really cool well uh, you also i mean i've never seen a set where before shooting the director goes let's hear it for harley quinn right yeah, yeah. and get everyone applauding and like loving the actor and then in and action yeah. And then when they're wrapped, it's not just like, and that's a picture rap on Harley or whoever it would be like, and Hey, and everybody you know, let's yeah. hear for Ralph. Ralph's a great guy. Ralph Garmin, everybody came out and he'd tell a story at rap.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and, like, and it was it cool. It was so much love. It was so different than any set I'd ever been on.
1: And it's because, because the people and the characters that they were per- portraying were, or his babies, basically, you know, it's like, those are people that, mm. you know, he respects and honors. So I think it was really cool that he did all that stuff. Um, you, if you noticed like all the giant uh comic book artwork that was out there that was like it looked like Jay and bobs like pictures uh-huh. but they were like comic book style and they were just mimicking like old comic books and stuff that's a friend yeah. of mine he drew all that stuff for him.
0: oh yeah, yeah. all I'm- the art department was just yeah. perfect yeah buddy i I'm- love the computer animated pop vinyls they did as big balloons <laughs> out front
1: yeah those were cool <laughs> Yeah, yeah, my buddy drew drew all that stuff for him and uh that he was in the film too, but you know, it was just it was pretty cool. It was a really cool thing. Like like I was saying, most of the guys that were in the tables and stuff, that was all their actual work. Those were those were all artists. Yeah, yeah all artists from Louisiana. You well,
0: know, I went over and talked to him but I'm surprised they didn't come up and talk to you. Um but yeah, went around and talked to a bunch of those tables and stuff. That's cool. Um yeah, it was amazing. Uh, that that whole um it was amazing how much they got out of how much mileage they got out of New Orleans for it yep. to look like everywhere in the country. That was pretty cool too.
1: Yeah. That was really cool. Like, Especially after uh, getting to see it, you know, on the big screen and going, man, that's really, you know, that's really awesome. Look how, look how big it looks in there. <laughs> Cause, Cause the convention looked like it was huge. And I'm like, man, it wasn't that big. I promise.
0: No, it wasn't. Um, I mean, it's the it's a convention center that they would have had a real, convention app right. <laughs> right yeah it did it did they did really good with the bags and the lanyards yeah and i still have mine. merch and the signs um it had the branding it really really sold it
1: yeah so we uh we still have our uh chronic con lanyards and stuff they gave them they like you guys can take those i said all right i'll take it
0: Oh yeah, I ordered the first round of the shirts just to wear it to the <laughs> premiere and I think I'd washed it once and it had already started falling apart. That's and, funny. Um, everyone online was like, "Yeah, that first batch was pretty bad." <laughs> they changed their vendor and they're better, but it was totally identical to the um the, the one... crew version of the nah, shirts. that's cool. So yeah.
1: so what do you got going on now, man? What do you, what what's what you got coming on down the line?
0: Anything good? Oh. That's a great question. Um, yeah, I hope tons of great stuff. Uh, I just banged out um, one web series. Uh, oh, nice! Kind of at the beginning of pandemic, so last April, May, I guess, and it was it's the Quarantine Bunch, and okay. it's uh, former child stars that normally have a secret society meetup. Support group, but because of the pandemic, they have to take their meetings online. <laughs> so you get to crash the Zoom meetings for nice. former child star support group. Nice. Um, and it's a little anti-comedy. So Andy Kaufman, think you know Andy Kaufman r- wrestling women? Oh, nice. Think <laughs> well, only because it looks like something. Uh, did you ever see um, the VH1 ad? Uh, Too many cooks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. If you like that, then yes, I love trust that. me, hang in there. <laughs> You'll watch the first one. and the second one, you're ah, I start to see a kind of a plot. Ah, there's kind of characters. And then somewhere around three and four, it starts to become something that it never promised. And this is why <laughs> I think I love it so much. So this was shot. This was Sag. This was Union. We did and paid them, and everyone shot it at home. But we shot it at the same time. We shot it as a Zoom meeting.
1: Oh, that's so cool. So it's live.
0: We did some pickups and close-ups and things, but um, mostly um, it's you know just us. It's uh, Judy Norton, my co-star from The Waltons.
1: Nice.
0: Uh, you've got um, Scotty Schwartz from The Toy and Christmas Story. Wow. Uh, okay. Danny Pintaro from Who's the Boss. Jeremy Miller from uh, Growing Pains. Um, Dean McDermott, who wasn't a child star, but Tori Spellin's husband, Dean. Yeah. Dino, as we're allowed to call him now. (laughs) uh, Dino plays a fake child star named Ricky. I don't know. We made up a child star, a Scottish (laughs) child star that he plays. That's awesome. So we give him a Scottish accent. Um, And I know I'm leaving somebody out. I can't remember who I'm leaving out. Oh, we have good guest artists, too. Nice. Um, And... uh, the, the so we're legit. We're all, you know, pretty much I know Dean's first credit was at, at nineteen or twenty years old, so he wasn't really a child star. Right. But Dean's been in the business and acted enough to speak the same language yeah. as us. Yeah, of course. It's funny. It's weird. Um um and then uh yeah. because of Jane Silent Bob Reboot <clears throat> you saw the um greatest documentary made, right? Magnum Dopus. Yeah, of course. OK, so the director of Magnum Dopus, Josh Rauch, um, while you're watching Magnum dopus, dopus, you're like, this is really well shot. Yeah, this is wow. The transitions are great. This is the most positive, upbeat behind the scenes. There's no fake drama, no conflict. And yet it's a joy to watch. It's not everybody just blowing smoke up their ass, but it's everybody blowing smoke up their ass. It's like <laughs> Maybe it was really fun to make work on it. You think? And it shows you this was the nuts and bolts that was making it. And it's really beautiful shot. And you go, that ah, wow, must have been you know million dollar camera. My gosh, right? Well, it wasn't like that much, but it is like a you know two plus K. It's like it's it's up there. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, Josh directed a feature and just about a month ago finished all principal photography. He had one more music video that he had to put in there, and after he was able to cast a fake band and then get the music video going. <laughs> um. So uh, it's a film called Wrong Reasons and it co-stars Ralph Garmin, Harley Quinn Smith. Um it's uh it's interesting. Imagine if someone really wanted to get a rock starlet's career back on track and she right. was you know sinking into addiction and just getting lost. Um Park Jr., what's his name? From um Red State
1: Park Jr. Park Jr. Park Jr. Park Jr. His I'm father dr- is I'm the drawing, star of the Red State. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank, but I, I he's the
0: son. He's in um, Grindhouse movies and stuff. He is kidnaps um, Liv Roush, who's um, uh, Josh's uh, wife, but she kidnaps her as a Britney Spears type rock star okay. to clean her up. And um, so it's there's no heroes. It reminds me of seventies and like Dog Day Afternoon or something, where you don't really know who to root for. Um, and I got to play a newscaster in that, uh, very, very, uh, fun. And we shot in the middle of pandemic with the zones and the SAG rules and the, you know, SAG, um, COVID consultant on the set. Um, and the COVID consultant winds up being Leonard Malden's daughter. So the <laughs> town is tiny tiny. Everyone knows everybody. You like get on a set, and they're like, I can't wait for you to meet somebody. And you get on the set, and you go, oh, hey, Dave, how you doing? And it's someone you've worked with six times. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how's it going? They're like, what? And you're like, yeah, this is Tuesday for us. Mm-hmm. So it's funny. It's That's funny. good. But it's Dave. also still something you appreciate. You don't get to do it every day. Um, and uh, yeah. anyone that gets on a set and bitches and whines and moans, eh. it's an elective. Don't take the class if you don't want it.
1: Right, yeah, exactly, 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 that's fucking great, I like that, I like that, it's an elective, you don't have to take the class, god damn it, <laughs> oh man, um, oh, excuse me, uh, my son's been sure. banging, I've been trying to, if I went dark for a minute, it's because my son's been banging on the door, I have a five year old, and he likes to come in uh, and, and try to be on the shows all the time, and I... I My wife's like screaming at him, get back in here. (laughs) It's, it's pretty, it's pretty classic, Uh, (laughs) but, but man, like I said, you've been in so much stuff, dude. Uh, One of my favorite films that you were ever in was Uh toy soldiers.
0: Yeah. Good old toy soldiers. Hard R. That's going to be a hard R there. It is. It is,
1: but it was such a, it was such a great film and the cast was fantastic. And I'm just like, man, I, I don't know. I, I I think it's one of the, I think it's one of those films that a lot of people look past and I don't know why, you know what I mean?
0: I think cause it was, um, well, first of all, let's call it for what it is. It's, um, Die Hard meets dead Poets society. Yes. Okay. You're right. It's, um, diehard in a boarding school. Um, we'd already had Under Siege, which is Die Hard on the, We'd already have the train one. We'd al- you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like I think Under Siege two was on a train. Um, Speed two. I don't think that had come out yet, but still, no, it absolutely hadn't because Speed didn't come out until the mid nineties. Um, so, uh, what I think you had was competent filmmaking of the action thriller genre. Um. um layered on top of a non exploitive. So it wasn't taps and it wasn't red Dawn. Right. It had no real anti authoritarian messages. Ultimately it was incredibly please fall in line. Um, we went to the Pentagon and we got a money or we got helicopters and Humvees and um, pilots. Wow. Uh, Mark Berg, the producer of Toy Soldiers. He's, of course, Island Pictures now, but he was Island Records back then kind right. of dabbling in film. He shaved his head into a high and tight, took the script to the Pentagon. He's like, we need material. Let's give us some stuff. And it saves money on the budget. You don't have to rent it. Pentagon gives it to you, but they get to rewrite your script
1: ah okay
0: so they had notes they're like all right we got notes and they're like what and they're like well the end of the third act with the kids cool and the you know taking the cool and, and mark Burke goes oh you want to change it to how you guys would like really invade the school and they said no we want to change it to how people would think we would really invade the school <laughs> okay that's kind of cool <laughs> you don't like... let people know how you're really gonna well do
1: well it. no you don't want to like <laughs> you don't want to lay all your cards out on the table man there's no way that's gonna
0: happen i mean that's an option, but I'm sure that's an option that had been burnt as an operational command decades before the Pentagon allowed that into a script. Right. You're not going to breach, bang and clear and zip line guys down from, you know, helicopters and then. <laughs> uh, didn't you guys do that in Black Hawk Down? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yep, quiet. Um, yes, we did the same thing in Black Hawk Down. Didn't the guy get injured doing that? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. that's right. <laughs> Sure it is. <laughs> uh, there's one guy that eats it um, He comes out of the helicopter and it's an extra And he like Either does a really bad Dive to cover <laughs> <laughs> Or he Eats it like he literally trips over a Body in the stairwell it's after they grenade The guys in the stairwell The like oh, exterior man. stairwell kind of near where we did the Soccer ball but yeah. I don't know how well you know the movie Yeah oh
1: yeah I know what you're talking about I know the, the stairwell very, very well Yeah
0: So yeah, there's some, you can see some, um, well, that wall was a million dollar wall. It took three months to build. Wow. um, And it was made out of plaster and um, wood and, uh, you know, painted with the brick, fake brick and stucco. There's just the Miller Academy is two separate buildings facing each other as seen on screen in uh, major painting. Oh, really? poster really? for Major Pain. That's the same school.
1: Oh, that's cool. I had no idea. That's really awesome.
0: But there's no walls. There's no quad. And the script required an enclosed area where the terrorists could keep all the kids. So before we even showed up in Charlottesville, Virginia, they had... Um, I, to this day, meet people that go, hey, what's up? I'm like, what's up? They go, I worked on Toy Soldiers. And I go, hey, what'd you do? And they go, I helped build the wall. And I'm like, makes sense. They had hundreds of guys working on this for months. <laughs> um... So it's much much more likely to run into a wall builder on Toy Soldiers than the makeup artist because there was like two makeup artists, but there was 200 wall guys.
1: Right, there's 200 guys building um, a wall.
0: That was fun. That was fun. That was, you know, that was one of those movies where, effects is on top of it stunts is doing their thing props has got this going sets are doing their thing you know we got crack orchestra the irish uh, philharmonic to do the you know military adventure action score oh that's cool um you know it just had all the all the i don't know man felt like old school real there's no digital yeah. there's no effects there's no blue screen there's not a single map painting. um that's it's a- all
1: shot for real. Yeah, that's that's what's cool about some of those films that were actually, you know you, there's no CGI, you know you gotta look at, it's all uh, practical effects and things like that. I have a buddy who works on films that does the explosions and stuff and, and he's he says, dude, you don't understand how much shit goes into me blowing up one car. I got to have like 500 people out of the way and moving this. And I'm like, okay. He goes, yeah. He says, that's why, that's why they use CGI so much because now it's, it's so much easier. You don't have to move everybody. It's like, okay, we're going to blow that up in post.
0: <laughs> you know? Well, Bayham's interesting with the cable stays they got on the car. So they'll do a mm-hmm. pneumatic launch with an Apsilene pop for the explosion and then they'll do a cable pull um, pneumatic uh, or sometimes just based off of another car a car will drive attached to a cable that cable's pulling another car to come flip up and it's pretty controlled they have nets to catch them it's like it looks crazy but each and every little gag is pretty pre-planned i just saw some footage online of michael bay operating he's on a dolly Operating and they push in a little bit, and all of a sudden, the whole street you just see chaos, ambulances flipping over, fire, police cars, <laughs> and an ambulance or a yeah, an ambulance um, comes right towards camera, hits another car, which looked like a rigging because it goes flying off, but then it hits a police car, stopping its momentum as the front bumper touches the dolly and moves it wow. on inch. It's literally like the softest, like I'm going to nudge you now, but literally from 60 miles an hour and flames and explosions to Boop. Michael Bay almost just got murdered. That's crazy. And, and they're commenting on, did you see what he did? And they're like, what did he do? Well, he moved, he flipped the camera and he did a whip to get it. The shot. He didn't care if a crew member is getting safe or not. He's like, I got to get this on screen. But that's also reading into his mind. Of course, he's going to try to get it on screen. He doesn't know what's safe or not or what's happening. Right. So, right. Right. I mean, um, it's a big difference for between all the, the crew guy. He's shot, um, you yeah, know, he's very lucky and he's got lots of planning and, you know, now Expendables is a whole other deal. <laughs> did you Did you see the first Expendables?
1: Oh, of course I did. Okay.
0: You know, the dock sequence. Yes. And they go and they blow the fuck everything up. Yeah. 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 Um, that wasn't how it was boarded. That wasn't how it was scripted. It was a small <laughs> fight at the thing. Really? And on the day, Stallone invented them on the C-134. He had uh, or C 130 He invented the whole fire. He goes, how much can we blow these up? Let's blow those up. Let's do that. Hey, yeah, we'll do he wrote the whole thing standing on his feet the morning of what was supposed to be a two-day sequence.
1: Holy it shit. turned
0: into five days on the budget, and it wound up being probably equal to any of the great action set pieces, and it was done on the fly. His fight, um, usually in Rocky, and didn't he fight Dolph Lundgren in this one?
1: Yeah, yeah, he did.
0: Dolph Lundgren um, bruised his heart. God. He cracked. He cracked something. He threw him and cracked a rib and the pressure was so much that and he and Stallone had to go to the hospital in the middle of the day filming and gets this and a shot and a brace and goes right back to set and keeps working. And I'm like, God, they're like pro wrestlers. They're I mean, the damage that they take pretty much. Um, Then there's also the school I grew up in was. You can also fake it. It's only a movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, you can kind of like, yeah, all right, throw that punch. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna. Yeah, it's just let's make believe. It's real cool.
1: Oh, oh man. Uh, well, you know, I mean, some some guys are just they want the realism, I guess. But I mean, you I know, know, I've seen a lot of. Look, you're talking about Michael Bay. I saw some giant robots running across, blowing up stuff. You know what? That looked pretty damn real to me too. But, uh, you know, we, we all know it didn't happen, you know, (laughs) but, um, I have, uh, one other question about a film is the, uh, the Fox and a Hound. Yeah. I had no idea you did the voices. I did one of the voices in that, that movie.
0: Yeah. You know who the Hound was, right? No. Corey Phillips. Was he really? Of course. Me and Corey have been working. We've worked together probably I don't know three, four, five times. Um, I was his hand model for a Mattel commercial. And, you know, while he's off at school or eating lunch, then I do the close up with the choo choo and the train or whatever, right? And, right. With my hands only, so my face isn't even on screen. And um, then we did Fox and the Hound, and we Todd and 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 Copper. And then we did Kid with Broken Halo, which was a Gary Coleman. Movie of the week with Bob Guillaume. And um, we did that. Then we did um, the Oscars together. Nice. <laughs> Dan's been saying live on the Oscars. That was a treat. <laughs> That's online. <laughs> I, I'll um, look that up. Oh, yeah. Me and uh, Patrick Dempsey, Ricky Lake, Christian Slater, Ro- Chad Lowe, not Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe had another musical number with Snow White that year. Oh, nice. Well, we are grateful for that because nobody remembers our number because of Rob Lowe's debacle.
1: Oh, okay. All
0: right. We got lucky. <laughs> um, and Yeah, so Corey, and then I did a bit in uh, A Tale of Two Corys.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I've heard that. But yeah, so you were saying um, you were doing the uh, the singing on live. Uh, uh, you did a...
0: Um, uh, oh, uh Tale of Two Corys, which yeah. was the Lifetime uh, yes. movie, which was my God. I'm sitting there watching this thing and I'm going... This is shot way better than any other Lifetime movie I have seen. And I'm being, I'm, you know, obviously biased because I'm in the damn thing. <laughs> right, yeah. But I've seen Lifetime movies before. And um, and I was shocked. My jaw was on the floor at the premiere. I'm like, I didn't know. I and mean, there are other kids that had it, you know had a rough time in the industry. Uh, my mom was so scared of anybody getting near me that she was always on the set with me right. and instilled in me young. Anyone even comes near you, kick them in the nuts. Um, yeah,
1: just... And
0: so I did. And lo and behold, people stayed away from me after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He kicked one supposed predator in the nuts, and my God. And the word it. gets they, out. All of Don't. a sudden, the word gets around. This kid ain't going to go for it. Not that little boy. He Get looks away. like a victim. Oh, he is. He just is also wise. Don't go for him. <laughs> 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 oh, no, he's a complete victim. Don't worry. He's a child star, for Christ's sake. Yeah, you know, Shit will happen but, eventually, uh, but not right now,
1: you know? <laughs> yeah, that
0: was one thing that, that, that was very, very, you know, sad, but I think it was because my by the time it got to me, I'm fourth generation in this business, and so lessons had been learned by previous right. generations of who people were. And that the same kind of people could show up in a school district or a church or a neighbor, as on a film set. You know what I mean? So there's no oh, like, yeah, oh yeah, concentrated power of evil here. It just happens to be an industry that has a great magnifying glass on it. And when, so when the same one out of every four children get sexually assaulted, which that's the statistics in the U.S. is, is 25% of children are sexually assaulted, wow. um, which is, should be talked about more, obviously, if it causes so much pain and shame and, and yeah. you know, people are like, I don't want to talk about it. Um, and guess who doesn't want to talk about it more? Boys. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's even a bigger stigma. You're like, and there's an old saying in Hollywood, never get caught with a dead girl or a live boy.
1: I've heard that before. And, that's a, <laughs> and that is a terrible thing to say.
0: <laughs> it is. And so when you see um, people get wise and you see that there really is no power there and they drop a dime on Harvey Weinstein. I know. God. And then other people go, you know what? Uh, let's not even forget Harvey. There's some other people. There's people you wouldn't even imagine. People that are wholesome. People that produce wholesome stuff. Star in wholesome stuff. And I have been on wholesome shows before in the past and there were perfs on those sets oh yeah of course the difference between knowing there's a problem pointing out the problem and going look out for that guy that guy and that guy it's different than pretending there's no problem and then ignoring it when it happens right so you know everybody every child actor has a different experience than any other child actor yes there are some similarities if you look at all child actors, huh? there's a fame and this, and, that, and then all of a sudden it goes away, or you don't become, you know, there's like common commonalities in a Venn diagram. But each kid is so different. When did the fame happen? When in their development did it happen? Did it happen before puberty? Did it happen it after puberty. It's different for boys than for girls. It's different whether you were in movies or in TV. It's, you know, it's, it's different. Yeah. So, um... I, uh, you know, I support, I totally support Corey Feldman and I'm appalled at people like Barbara Walters who are like, you're ruining an industry. Well, that's because those threats of power, if you tell I'll ruin your life or your career, um, the people get blinded by it and they actually buy into it. Right. And they don't talk and they don't rat and they let Harvey touch them. Yep. and that's it? really sad because there's a lot of littler Harveys. There's people that never done anything. Oh, I'm a producer. What do you produce? I produce business cards. Um, and they can get girls into bed, and wow. that you that's know, and that's sad. been a stereotype of Hollywood. It's even in movies, you know. Um. Yeah, thank like, God, you know, casting couches, some yeah. kids. So. People thought that's probably a bad idea. Don't do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You were saying like, like you know, casting couches—that whole stigma thing—and you know, hell, they even they they even have they even have um, what is it? An adult film series now called casting couches.
0: You know, it's like
1: what? Yeah. Well, I did
0: read a um, Joan Crawford biography that um, said that she had just signed on the MGM and um, they'd made her change her name um, from uh, Lucille the And And uh, they, somebody approached her and said, Hey, it wouldn't have hurt a girl's career to be in a Jackie Coogan picture. And if you look, you'll notice Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Some of their earliest credits are uh, Jackie Coogan pictures. Yeah. Um, the, the problem was, is my great grandfather was also co-producer on those pictures. Oh, okay. um, and, uh, you know, my grandfather's seven, eight, nine, ten years old, whatever. So, right. you know, there's got to be a liaison between Schneck and Louis B. Mayer and, you know, the MGM brass, basically. Well, um, in Joan Crawford's book, she goes, you know, well, uh, Jack Coogan, senior had a, a little casting couch on the lot and he was a nasty old little man. Really? So apparently, at least she's intimating in this book, that Joan Crawford slept with my great-grandfather for a role, huh. and I'm ashamed and then slightly proud. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Just yeah. Like yeah. go, wow, it. what legendary names. Then you go, what abhorrent behavior. And yes, that is the way the industry used to be. Correct. And I like to think of Harvey Weinstein and people of that ilk that did that to people knowing. That They're abusing their want for this kind of fame and glory and power, abusing that to get, you know, to touch people. That's, that's just satanic, what, which actually you know... there's some very nice Satanists out there. Sorry, <laughs> that's just people. That's sinister. Let's, let's rephrase that.
1: I, I would really hope that in this day and age that, uh, all that shit, which is probably not ever going to stop, but would, you know, lessen or. Would be more um, of just like the old guard fading away. You know what I mean? Like,
0: are you ever now? Not every stage mom or stage parent is the same, but the position of all of a sudden you have an eight year old that can pay all your bills, right? That changes things, no matter how good or bad or whatever. That flips things around in the house a little bit. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's, it's definitely weird. I don't know that I've really come to grips with all of the kind of like you know, my mom is like don't be such a victim and I'm like i was? What do you mean don't <laughs> <laughs> What are you <laughs> talking about? Um <laughs> uh so it's I uh you know, it's tough. I I want um you know, I want kids. Number one, I'm so proud of my grandfather. And the Coogan Act, the Coogan law that protects kids and their earnings. Yes. Currently they put 15% aside in a blocked trust account. And that's done at the time the check is cut. So the production actually cuts two checks, one to the Coogan account, which is blocked, and then the other goes to the parents. Wow, and that's then true. out of the part that goes to the parents, you've got thirty-eight percent comes out for taxes, ten percent for an agent, twenty percent for a manager. Oh shit, there's not much left, is there?
1: Right, right.
0: And you've got union dues, you've got pictures to be taken, uh, Dude. So, you know, the parents aren't really running away. And there's only five kids you can count that have make millions of dollars. Yeah. All the rest make, you know, under 100 grand a year. Trust me. Um, So it's there's a few cases that stick out. But most of the time, it's weird. Just even regular. It's weird. So I hate to see it. Um, I do, though, want to fight for the right for kids to be in this business. My first instinct is kids shouldn't be in this business. There is no way I wouldn't even let a kid on a band bus for a high school band, let alone let them on a set or behind. You know, I worked backstage on theater. I've done every job on a theater you can do. I wouldn't let a kid backstage of a theater. My God, everyone's whores. Um, (laughs) Really are. I don't know why everyone just turns into sophomore, junior, high kids, but. You just don't want to hear what people say behind the scenes, right? Yeah, yeah, I I get it.
1: Like i've 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 been in I've been in bands my whole life. I completely know what behind the stages and all that shit ends up because, you know, I I wouldn't want anybody to see what said in the you know green rooms and stuff.
0: No, and if you're playing Ah! a character that goes out and injects heroin on and then eats a bat and then spits fire. Right. The thought of having a shot or two before going on stage seems perfectly reasonable. <laughs> exactly. And then you can go actually from this pint and I'll just do one pint per set and I'll be fine. I, I actually could walk a straight line. No problem. But you go from that. I can imagine the deviation I could And I'm sort of walking the walk and talking the talk. It's still wrestling. It's still acting. Yep. Rockstar is just another outfit. Now, the thing is, is where we believe the lifestyle and the message, someone like Axel Rose or Kurt Cobain, where you go, is there a distinction between how they present themselves in the media and how they really live? That's where we as fans get incredibly fascinated. I'm not interested in Look What the Cat Dragged In and Poisoned. Great band, great hooks, great songs. I just don't believe they really lived like that. Exactly. Guns and Roses. Oh, you bet you believe you. Oh I yeah, believe they lived like that.
1: Oh yeah, Th- those dudes were definitely down in the gutter all the time. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent.
0: Down in the gutter. What a great way to say
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I, One of my favorite singers of all time. His name is, is Mike Patton for Faith the More, and he said in an interview, and I'll quote this because when they were on tour with Guns and Roses and Metallica, he said. They were like, "So, what do you what do you do on your off time?" And he goes, "Well, I sit here and read books." They say, "Oh yeah." He goes, "Well, you only have two other options. You can either go and get drunk with Metallica, or you can go fuck around with Axel and his whores." I'd rather read a book.
0: <laughs> That's exactly what he
1: said. <laughs> but it's incredible. Like you just who like you said.
0: is the um. Oh, God. He was on Married with Children. Uh Anthrax. Who's the lead singer of Anthrax? Scott? Uh No, you're
1: talking about Scott Ian, uh, the guitar player. The, the long- Yes, yeah, so yeah, Scott yeah, Ian. Okay, yeah, yeah. sorry.
0: Um, so I'm at an autograph convention, and we see freaking Scott Ian over at table. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love him. Well, you know, I'm a huge fan. Hell, yeah. Um And because and he never projected, like, too grungy of a thing. Like, I always believe that he... He's just really focused and good and talented and and someone your parents would be scared to meet. But that's about it. I just think he's right. professional. So I go over and I go, hey, I don't know, my wife wants to get a picture. I, I'm, you know, I want a picture too with him. And he goes, he goes, he he freezes and he goes, hold on a second, and runs away from me. And I'm like going, oh, he didn't want to talk to me. He's like, he comes back over with a phone in his hand and he goes. Would you say hi? And dishes are done to my wife. And done. can I get a picture? <laughs> and so it had flipped. And he was the nicest guy in the world, dude. That's and Bam so Morgan. awesome. Bam was one who um, was a fan of mine, and that blew my mind.
1: <laughs> I, you you know what? You bring up Bam. I feel sorry for that poor guy right now. He's he's going off <laughs> the deep end, man.
0: <laughs> oh, um, that poor yeah, dude. it is sad because everyone else can see what page he's on. Yeah, but him.
1: Exactly. We've uh, read
0: the book before and we've seen what happens on page 87 and we've seen what happens on page 110 and we've read this book before. We've read this book before. Um, And Bam is got moments of not clarity because his brain chemistry is different, but moments of um, purpose direction and uh, belief in himself. Right. And, and, Somehow, this is what my grandfather told me. People would tell my grandfather, oh, you're great on Uncle Fester. Oh, you love you, Chaplain. He, he'd go, oh, great, thanks. And have I told you on this call? Sorry, I had an interview earlier. I didn't know if I told you this story yet. No. Oh, So my mom would bust him and our family would go, Jack, why are you so nonchalant? People are like, they love you. You brought Drake Joy to their lives. So he goes, yeah, but every once in a while, someone goes, ah, oh, you're nothing. Ah, oh, you're a husband or you're shit. Oh, what are you doing now? And he goes, if you take all the good then you have to take the bad too. Right. So he doesn't even accept the good. He just does his work and, you know, cause it's all, it's all to him. It was all bullshit. And he goes, he can't take the good cause then you can take the bad and that's going to take, you know, take to heart. Don't believe your own press basically. So it's just funny with Scott and like, and with bam, when it flips around and like, I'm like, how cool, you know? Yeah. dude. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I hope I totally, I wish that there was a way for me to help him. But having been like close to Corey Haim when he was having issues, yeah, there is no way, and and you know people have to want to do it for themselves. Um, I've known too many people that have been left out of cast reunions because of something that's happened in the past, and the fans don't care. And if you're doing it for yourself, then fine, do your own thing and do a jackass without BAM. That's fine. Right, I think the right. best opening scene of Jackass is a physical intervention as they film them kidnapping his ass. Yes. And taking him into the middle of the fucking desert, a shack with nothing but five psychiatrists, three medics, and some colonic. Gun. Yes. Yes. And do they it. shoot it. They need to and do that. And they save his fucking life.
1: That's what they need And to
0: then, do. and they deal with the arrests and the sheriffs and whatever. And they film all of it. And they go to jail for him. That was going to take for Bam to know that they're doing what they think is best for him. Right. I don't know
1: the show that they actually know. love the guy, you know, and they're not and they're not trying to be an asshole to him. They're just trying to make sure yeah. he's okay.
0: <sighs> yeah, and um, you know, everyone's after something happens in the in the past. I've seen when people pass, and this is tragic, and I don't want this to happen to Bam. People go, oh, if only someone reached. oh, if only someone could have gotten to him, oh, if only whatever. Well, I, there's a lot of chances right now, and. I don't know what to do. I've been close to too many addicts. I don't know what the situation is. and I don't know what the deal is, but right. I know that a lot of people don't feel that Bam is treating himself very nicely right now. He's, he's not. not being a good parent to himself.
1: He's not. And, and what he needs to do, honestly, is to get off of social media because all he's doing is making himself look worse.
0: Well, he's digging the past buckets right now, which is trying to find validation. Um, see, here's me with it. look at the good times here. This is when this, this is right. And he's also trying to uplift some people, um, maybe create a crew, and I think that's great. You got to find a tribe where you feel welcome, but um, but you also got to addiction. avoid the, um,
1: the enablers too.
0: Yeah, that's it. You, you, the enabling is tough. So you know, it happens in bands all the time. <laughs> yes, it does. Every once in a while, Duff, a Duff's gotta go, you know. I agree, man. I agree. 100%. And every once in a while, maybe you don't get rid of someone, but you add a pat smear.
1: There you go. That sounds good.
0: I like that. I like that. You know, that's great. Like, uh, what was the great film show with Kurt came out on the wheelchair? So, I mean, which show was that? Are you talking it was about great set.
1: Talking about the Unplug thing?
0: No, it was a um, festival, and um, I can't remember which one. Um it was a great set. Uh I think they started with Drain Me. Can't I can't nice. remember. Uh Drain. They did everything, everything that you wanted. They did it the way that you kinda wanted it done, not some weird quirky, we hate you version. Yeah. He yelled, he spit at the crowd, he threw his wheelchair, wrecked their equipment. Um, which one which show was this? It really is one of the last shows before uh SNL appearances and then <laughs> (laughs) it all fell apart and um yeah it's a amazing amazing perform because he comes out in the wheelchair and everyone thinks he's done right (laughs) right
1: yeah i was was lucky to get to see him live once and and uh i think it was like (sighs) i think it was like six months after that show he killed himself so
0: no no yeah
1: i mean it was a grill it was a really good show i mean they really put on a great show but you know it was probably one of the last things because i think we were at the end of the tour it was for in utero and i think we're at the end of the tour for it and uh um after that that's when he got the first sent off to rehab or the hospital for heroin overdose and then a little bit after that that was it i was like man it was tough but it was you know yeah
0: that's tough that was tough um yeah i still i mean it, it hit me hard and then we had river phoenix died yeah roughly the same time i just want to say within the year same year period or whatever it was rough that part of the 90s was no fun zone
1: no no
0: well man why don't you
1: tell all these people out there where they can find your stuff man like you know where no, they can find
0: you, thank what, you. And all that good plug stuff. away plug plug away plug away <laughs> Uh, the king of the babysitter movies can be found on Keith Coogan I am a merchandise whore. I know that people like stuff and they like sometimes sign pictures and things. So I got those, but I also do sign dishes. And this is a fun little gift. <laughs> um, dishes are done, man. Signed by Keith Coogan. That's Kenny, awesome. uh, awesome. right on my website there. That was pretty horish. And I uh, also have Twitter, the Keith Coogan and uh, Facebook, Instagram, Keith Coogan. There's no the in it. I'm just act talking like <laughs> the old man that I am. <laughs> I am now 51. I don't feel it. I cannot possibly imagine that I'm 51. I don't look it. No, no, you don't, at least man. Enough you don't. You don't. People lie to me that I don't. I, I am you. old white man. I am definitely irrelevant. There's a lot of stories that have been not told because there were an awful lot of white kids in movies in the eighties. Oh my God. I'm staring at a wall of my wife's favorites. 16 candles, breakfast club, Pretty in Pink, Weird Science. Ugh. Hey, what was that famous black movie that came out in the 80s? That Oh, right. There wasn't one. Exactly. So it is time. They're redoing Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter did with a black cast. The original had one black-speaking role, Katrina.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And
0: if they have one white-speaking role, I want it. I want to be in the new remake. <laughs> that would be really cool. That would be very, very cool. Um... But I really don't think they have to because you know what? I think that the hegemony, the white male point of view, I, it lasted so long. The stories have been told. I think I'm really good as the bad guy now. I could play the child molester or the weird politician or the. <laughs> I would love to. I'd love to be the guy that people hate. I don't have a problem with that. You could typecast me as a bad guy. Right. You can't spell typecast without cast and just getting work is great even if you play the heavy and uh yeah so um i definitely am trying to horror movies i've been to pop conventions i've been to autograph conventions and i've been to horror conventions i have never seen so much money change hands than at a horror oh yeah convention yeah we go to yeah.
1: we go to, we go to one every year
0: we go to is one the, every year it's the you know action figures and the thing and the doll and the and the vinyl and the laser disc and and it's um, fascinating Uh, it seems like the less pop culture something was the more people feel they have to have a piece of it to keep it alive no I need that reanimator poster no I need that Um, and uh, we have to we move from analog into digital there's movies that aren't available you can't find them Oh, yeah. They're not, there are no prints. They're not streaming. And the titles are suspicious. <laughs> they're like, the, you know, video drone things like that. They're yeah. suspicious. Yeah, The titles are ones where you go, I'm really not surprised people, you know, they're anti-establishment, they're counterculture, they're anti, you know, anti-authority, and basically. Um, there's probably a reason why. Hey, you know what? They're not rushing to remake right now soul man starring c thomas you know wait dude hold on i've been preaching <laughs> I,
1: I, I have been preaching that for years man i've been saying they're never gonna make that movie again you know why because it's really racist
0: <laughs> well we should do a video bit where it's the beginning of the trailer yes building up to it i can't get into college i can't well why did you do this oh if you're a black student and it right right up to the moment where c thomas howell stands up in the original trailer and you the film stops and everyone goes no (laughs) and then you just go we wanted to apologize for this even even the idea of this sorry thank you
1: (laughs) but it was such a great film i laughed my ass off at that movie i'll i'll never forget that film never
0: I met so I met wrong. I met C um, Thomas so one wrong. time.
1: I met him one time. He was at he was at um Texas Frightmare in uh Dallas. And he was doing a signing for something
0: and For but, Hitcher? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I went up there. I went to just to, I always go up to everybody that I, I want to see and just talk to them for a few minutes. I don't I don't normally I'm not an autograph hound. There are several that I have, but I'm not like an autograph hound. I just like to tell everybody, "Hey, you know, it was really nice that you know, you did this in my life for me. You know that, so I went and just went to talk to him for a few minutes, and uh, I brought that up, and he goes, "Oh man," <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Oh, don't, don't bring that movie up." I was like, "Okay, my bad, dude. I wasn't trying to be like you know, really." I wasn't trying the to The finger,
0: be dude. The finger.
1: Oh. But it was, you know, it's one of my favorites. I um, just remember that. Oh God, sorry, that nope. movie
0: terror, terror terrorized me. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah, the pitcher absolutely scared the crap out of me. I didn't know if it needed even the second act gas station kind of let's kill some time in the plot because it already had me at, you know. Yeah, it was such a good movie. Hong Kong. It was good. It was the best like Twilight Zone idea expanded into a feature, but then turned into a thriller. Yeah. Um, it's no breakdown with Kurt Russell, but it's good. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 well, there certain movies that you have to be a filmophile. Um I mean there's people that accidentally got caught up in like just the 80s and the the way they marketed stuff people are like yeah I saw Maximum Overdrive in a theater oops but then there's people that are like yeah I saw Maximum Overdrive in a theater Yeah um, hell yeah You know there's people that accidentally stumble on something that might be genre and they're like oops nah I didn't like it But um I it was weird in the 80s it really Somebody had to say, "Okay, this can now make it to the public's eyes." Right? Today, you don't need that as much. Um, You can get a movie out, you know, around and through different ways. Do I think that people that have made movies in Hollywood professionally make better movies? Mm, Technically. yeah, you could have a trolls too situation where <laughs> nobody knows what they're doing, and it looks terrible. And a dentist, you know, funded it. Um, but uh, and movies are so hard to make. They're so hard to make. Uh, the simplest basic joke has to go through from the page to the actors. Everybody has to get it. Everybody has to knows what the beat is. One actor has to give a setup for it. Do you know how hard it is to? act ha- get an actor to give a setup oh my god that's my job is to set people up i <laughs> love being supporting players I, I mean i made a career out of being the brother the best friend the guy right um my family always said you never want to be hot you always want to just run warm in your career otherwise it'll be over the moment you're hot well it's going to go cold after that and you'll never right. work so i i haven't done stuff maybe you know except for Jan silent Bob, reboot. Um, the Lifetime movie, uh, a couple of things. It was on uh, Amazon's uh, Last Tycoon. Oh, uh, cool. um, Most of the movies I do, you gotta look for. Yeah, I know ones that I can't even find. I've done them. They've done <laughs> film festivals, and I'm like, I, I, I need, I want a scene for my reel, and I can't find the damn. Thing. <laughs> I was like, I know it's Finally, in this I damn movie. On an Apple, and I'm like, Apple has the, the most ridiculous digital rights management i can't rip it (laughs) off of an apple file (laughs) give me the good old dvd crack yes yes i used to netflix when netflix was dvd used the crack which people printed on t-shirts yes (laughs) i remember
1: i remember that yeah
0: the crack the hexadecimal was printed on t-shirts and um Get home, use the Ripper. Uh, this is for my, I have bought a license for the movie by renting the movie. And I would like to archive uh, the copy of that. Maybe time shift it. Maybe I can't watch it now. So I had already in my head gotten around all of the like rights issues of it. <laughs> Crap that Netflix disc. Uh, you know, archive it on the drive kind of a thing here and there for certain titles. Um, and then one day I couldn't. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how come Born on the Fourth of July? I can't crack Born on the Fourth. This is really weird. And it wasn't a new title. Right. It was an archived title. And I went. I mean, okay, maybe it was a new pressing, like a new write of it. I go, this is a tough crack. And then, um, uh, what else did I use? There's was a DVD cracker, Mac. A lot of old Mac stuff. Um. And then you couldn't get around them, You couldn't crack them. Then, uh, handbrake stopped working. Now, this is now you're getting serious. Like, (laughs) handbrake won't even work on an actual disk image. This is scary. So, yeah, do you hear the new direction? They're going to move into procured sources. So, each new piece of media, each photo, each video will be tagged in a way of Hmm. who created it and whose hands and where it went ever since it was created. Wow. And that there will be, the new internet will be platforms that go, okay, display your, your, your code, where it came from. I got you. So, um, they will be able to say, here are all the things that are, that people said, this is where they're from. Now, if someone doesn't want to attach themselves to a piece of information, that piece of information will never be shown and never be found. Yeah. So it's going to make that attribution is part of it to be seen. So that's interesting. Yeah. That's
1: kind of cool. That's (laughs) fucking cool, man. Yep. Back in the days when you used to steal music or not steal it, but you know, download it it off
0: the radio, download it. (laughs) And then your song starts Yeah. you're like waiting for that song and waiting for that song.
1: Um can't do that anymore.
0: Oh god no. Uh, uh, and oh god, I, I was I had a friend who got sued by um M. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and he had six thousand songs on his Napster. Nice. Something like that. I think he got shut down, but then there was LimeWire, there was Kazaa. I don't know if you remember any of these file oh, yeah. sharing services. Oh yeah! I used it was to, the Wild West. It
1: used was to ridiculous. live. Used to live on those, man, all the time. Yeah.
0: This is when shit started to get renamed, and people think Cat Stevens wrote a different song that he didn't write, and I loved <laughs> it. I yeah. loved it. Um, I'm like, that's not a Pearl Jam song. <laughs> <this> is, <laughs> there were certain ones that stick out that people remember. They're like, yeah. And then the alternate spellings to get around the filters. People yes. started misspelling and doing underscores. And it was crazy.
1: Mm, the world back then. Nah, it was much Who was easier. Who is it that
0: got me? Oh, it was um, Pink. Was it Pink No, It was Gwen. So the one with... um have good, so let's just keep on. De- Whichever yeah. album that yeah, was, yeah. she had seeded all of the services with a fake file that only had the chorus repeating oh, for three geez. and a half minutes. <laughs> and you play it and you go, oh, there it is. And then the chorus repeats. <laughs> and then the chorus repeats. And it's a perfect, <laughs> lossless 162 hertz file. It's beautiful. And there were so many out there that you couldn't find the real bootleg. That's amazing. And I was like, that's powerful. That works. You know, suing people doesn't work. No. Uh, James no. Um, Metallica was all over, you know, yeah. everybody. Yeah. And I get it. I'm a creator, and I think it's important to get paid. Right. Okay. I agree. For create it. Um, but the upset that that did and the change it did to the way music is made. So now... You know, artists don't make money off of CDs anymore. They nope. make them off of touring. Yep,
1: and then right now, guess what? They ain't getting nothing.
0: And guess what? They <sighs> exactly. So now that's gone. So no more million dollars a night of revenue on a Coliseum tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah. So uh, there would be. Uh, you have the like lockdown with Ticketmaster right you, there's there's this a gatekeeping that does exist um and i agree with that i think that there truly are dangerous ideas um peace love happiness dangerous you can't have to be <laughs> you you cannot things.
1: have that that's nuts i
0: was raised on george carlin so totally <laughs> you know, that's good know, that's, that's good
1: and at. you know what george carlin needs to come back from the dead and start doing some comedy out there so people can actually hear what real comedians sound like yeah
0: I would prefer he stuck to his um, delivery method. The uh, candy coated gelatin capsule he used to put his poison pills in (laughs) were more easily swallowed than his latter works. Oh, yeah. His latter works were 20 minutes of a lecture, and at the end, a clever gotcha where you go, oh, shit, he's right. It wasn't really funny. But it was right. Yeah. But But it. it was a slow crawl to that. He didn't just overnight become this political voice. Oh, no. He always had it there as a tenth of his act, and then it's a twentieth of his act, then it's half of his act, then it's all of his act. Yeah, it was, he did it slowly.
1: As he aged, it turned like that, yeah.
0: He's still brilliant. On one hand, he's talking about this and the and oligarchy, and then he's also talking about never-trusted dentist with blood in his hair. So he is <laughs> writing... New great material on par with baseball and football, and the seven words you can never say on television. He k- kept coming up with good material. Back out of a drive-in bank. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? This is things to do to keep people on their toes. Yep,
1: yeah, that was brilliant. Walking
0: in an elevator and don't turn around. And as soon as doors <laughs> close, go. Well, I guess you're wondering why I had you all gather here today. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh man, well, well, Keith, man, it was awesome having you on the show, buddy. Like,
0: uh, thanks for having this. Me. This has this fun. has been so much
1: fun, dude. Um, oh, so again, man, thank you so much for joining us. We really, really, really appreciated the time. Uh, and you are definitely welcome back anytime you want to come on. If you got something you want to come out here and just run out, run, run off at the mouth with us, we would
0: love to have you back. Oh, yeah, I've got the system of products. Um, it's not really a pyramidical structure. It's mm-hmm. more like a social way to be your own business owner. Um, Many of my friends have found great success in this. And I'd like to pull you in, just have a sit down. We'll talk about an initial purchase order. And then you could have people working under you. Ooh, and I'm just kidding. This was would a. Fantastic. this is a bad pyramid scheme joke. <laughs> it went way too far and nobody stopped me my no, god no because, me because I like it I like that
1: kind of shit
0: I think it's funny but, but anyway
1: guys I, I was your host Wayne that was Dusted over there and we'd love to thank again Mr. Keith Coogan for coming on the show Thanks for having me guys. Of course. Appreciate it. Of course. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, remember to keep Keep it.
0: That's it!